Our scripture reading for today is found in Mark chapter 14. And I, I invite you to please rise as we give respect to the reading of the word of God. Mark 14. We'll be reading verse 54 and then we'll jump verse uh, 66 till the end of the chapter. But Peter followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. Jump verse 66. Now as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And when he saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you are saying. And he went out on the porch, and a rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him again and began to say to those who stood by, This is one of them. But he denied it again. And a little later, those who stood by said to Peter, Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean, and you, your spits shows it. And a second time the rooster crowed, then Peter called to mind the word of Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And when he thought about it, he wept. May the good Lord bless the reading of his word. Please be seated. The story of Peter is a reminder that we, saints of the Lord, we believers in the Lord, that it's easy for us to fall. Yet, if you will take a look at his life, his account is also a message in which it gives us hope, not only hope, but also an encouragement. In the hymnal, if you will turn your hymnal, page 98, uh, uh, there, uh, there is a song that was written by Robert Robinson, and the title of that song is, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. This writer, Robinson, he was just a small boy when his dad died. And of course, when his dad died, that was in 18th century in England, there was a little in the way, of course, of a social welfare system. And this meant that he had to go to work uh, while he was very young, and there was no guidance. So he grew up uh, having some, uh, of course, friends, but these friends are, are, are gangsters in those days. And so during those uh, days, uh, they, he, he was so mean together with his, with his friends, his gang. And so they met a, a gypsy. And this gypsy, while drunk, they arrest her. And so pouring liquor into her, they demanded she tell their fortunes for free. And pointing her finger to Robert, 
she told Robert that uh, he would live to see his children and his grandchildren. That was the fortune was told to, to Robinson. So this struck a tender spot in his heart. And he said, if I'm going to live to see my children and grandchildren, this is what he thought. I'll have to change my way of living and I can keep on like I'm going now. And so to make the long story short, Robert Robinson decided to go to hear a Methodist preacher by the name of George Whitfield. To cover his weak urge, he suggested that the boys go with him and heckle at the gathering. And so uh, Whitfield preached on the text, Oh, generation of vipers who had warned you to flee from the wrath to come. That's found in Matthew chapter 3, verse 7. And so Robert left in dread under the deep sense of sin that lasted for three years. Finally, uh, at the age of 20, Robert made peace with God and immediately set out to become a Methodist preacher himself. Uh, two years later, in 1757, he wrote that hymn, Come thou found of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Now, in the last stanza, you will see uh, he wrote this. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Prone to wander, Robert was. Why? He left Methodist and became a Baptist. Later on, he became a close friend of Joseph Priestley. He was accused of becoming a Unitarian. You know, these Unitarian, uh, they denied the full deity of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, and so, however, in one of his sermons, he preached after, of course, uh, supposedly became a Unitarian. Robinson, he clearly declared, that Jesus was God. And added, Christ in himself is a person infinitely lovely as both God and man. But uh, Robinson died on the age of, uh, uh, on the day of June 9, 1790. All of us were not yet here on earth, okay? Now the question is this. Had he left the God he loved? Had he left the God he loved? A widely, of course, told story, uh, this is an unverifiable story, it says that one day he was riding in a stagecoach, a lady asked him what he thought of him, she was humming, and this, this old lady, she was humming this song, and, and, and Robinson was sitting next to this old lady, and then asked that question, and then he responded, Madame, I am the poor, unhappy man who wrote that hymn many years ago, and I would give a thousand worlds if I had them to enjoy the feelings I had then. 
was thinking about the life of Peter. It is easy for us, again, as saints of the Lord, to fall. And in here, in our topic this, this morning, uh, this is, again, a story of Peter after the resurrection, when he was restored. But before we will see his res restoration and his forgiveness uh, from God, we will take a look and study who, who, who was really Peter. We'll take at his biography, okay? And so, first, Simon Peter, uh, he was also known, a.k.a. as Cephas. Uh, uh, in John chapter 1, verse 42, uh, the Lord said, You are Simon, or Simon Barjona, son of Jonah. Uh, when you read uh, the translation, Barjona means son of Jonah. Bar means son, son of Jonah. Simon, your name will become Simon Choi. I'm sorry to say. Sivas, <laughs> meaning Peter. Okay, and so uh, that was him. He was an outspoken and an ardent disciple of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, one of, of his closest friends. And according to Galatians chapter 2, verse 9, he was one of the pillars of the church. Peter was, I want you to uh, note this because we will base uh, this uh, characteristic of Peter in the application of our message this morning. He was enthusiastic. Well, later on, we will take a look one by one his experience as, as he was under the table of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, learning from him. He was a strong-willed guy. Impulsive. And at times, he was brass. Now, I did look at the meaning of the word brass. <laughs> and this is what, me, what it means. Confident and aggressive. And usually rude in an unpleasant way. I want you to, you know, don't forget that one, okay? But all of his strength, Peter had a several failings in his life. But I want you to note this. Even though he has a lot of failings during his life, Listen very carefully. The Lord still ministered to him and he loves him so much. That's why I told you before that this message is a message of hope and a message of encouragement. Take a look at these characteristics. Uh, you know, this, this, this character of his that was, of course, on the monitor. You know what? We have the same characteristics. Amen. Uh, how many of you here is not impulsive? <laughs> Short-tempered. Oh, we have these characteristics. I want you to note this. That when the Lord calls you, he doesn't care who you are. Because he can change you in the way he wants you to be. And we will focus not on the negative of Peter, but on the love of God, on the mercy and the grace of God that he can change a person whether they are the baddest of the baddest in this world. 
Simon was originally from Bethsaida. And the word Bethsaida means house of hunting or house of fishing. And that's no wonder uh, he lived in that place and lived in Capernaum. That's in Mark chapter 1, verse 29. Both cities of the coast of the Sea of Galilee. Peter was married. 1 Corinthians 9, 5. And he had James and John were partners in a profitable fishing business. And so Simon met Jesus through his brother Andrew. Isn't it wonderful to have a brother whom, you know, loves you so much when he experienced the grace and the mercies of God, he's excited to share that love and mercy that's in his life. I hope you are the same with Andrew. And so, Andrew immediately went to find his brother to bring him to whom? To Jesus. This is a real brother. Why? Because he knows for sure that this is the Messiah. And this Messiah will be the one who will save us from our sins. I hope you will do the same if your brothers and sisters are not yet in the Lord. Don't stop praying for them. Don't stop bugging them. If you know you have the truth. It's worth it. Why? Because when Peter came to know the Lord, oh, he was transformed. And of course, Peter gave himself to the Lord. And the Lord changed his name from Cephas, Simon to Cephas, meaning, meaning of course, uh, rock. And later... Jesus officially called Peter to follow him, producing a miraculous cut of fish. And immediately, this is what happened. Peter left everything. If you surrender your life to the Lord, like Peter, you will leave everything. Why? Because Jesus will be the first place in your life. Your Top priority, not your first priority, is the Lord. Now, sometimes when we, make, when we make plan, oh, this is my priority, this is my love, you know. First is the Lord, that's my first priority. No, don't, don't, don't make the Lord your first priority. Make God your top priority. And immediately, he left everything. Why? Because Peter was convinced that this is Jesus, the Messiah, the promised one from the Old Testament that these prophets are prophesying. He will come and save the nation of Israel. Now, for the next three years, Peter lived as a disciple of the Lord Jesus. Being a natural born leader, Peter became the de facto spokesman for the twelve. Indeed, he became uh, an instrument of God so that his kingdom will be spread through, I, want, I don't want you to forget this, through Andrew. And more significantly, it was Peter who first confessed Jesus as the Christ, the son of the living God. 
Who do you say I am, Peter? And Peter said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter and John uh, were, 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 of course, uh, given the special task of preparing uh, the final Passover meal that's found in, in Luke chapter 22, uh, verse 8. So again, Peter was part of the inner circle in which, of course, the disciple has started to form. Uh, when I was a small child in the Sunday school, uh, you, can, you can forget these songs. You know, Peter, James, and John on a sailing boat. <laughs> Peter, James, and John on a sailing boat. <laughs> Uh, they, they are the core. <laughs> no, <please. laughs> In several instances, uh, Peter showed himself to be impetuous to the point of rashness. I'll give you an example. It was Peter who left the boat to walk on the water to Jesus. And promptly took his eye off, and, and, then, and, and then he began to sink. Why? It's because they were in the middle. It's so dark, and then they saw someone walking on the water. And the disciples, it's a ghost. Multo. And, 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 and the Lord, no, no, don't, don't, don't be afraid. It is I. If it is really you, let me walk on water. He did. But when he saw the waves was boisterous, he left his sight on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he looked at the waves. And then he started sinking. Jesus, save me! When you look away from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and you look at your very circumstances, you will sink. I don't know what is your circumstances right now, my dear friends and brothers in the Lord. The writer of the book of Hebrew is right. Look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher and the perfecter of our faith. He will never leave you nor forsake you. It was Peter who took Jesus aside to rebuke him from or for speaking of his death. Because he predicted, I will, I, will, I will now, you know, be crucified and die. And later I will, of course, return. And, and he was swiftly corrected by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It was Peter who suggested erecting three tabernacles to honor Moses, Elijah, Jesus. You remember the transfiguration? And so he fell on the ground in fearful silence of God's glory. It was Peter who drew the sword and attacked the servant of the high priest. What was his name? We'll, we'll take a look later. His name is Malchus. And was immediately told, hey, 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 Peter, put back that sword. Don't do that. It was Peter who boasted that he would never forsake the Lord, even if anyone else did. Even everyone will stumble, I will not stumble. I will not leave you. This is the very character of Peter. But of course, later, what happened? He denied the Lord three times. 
through all of Peter's ups and downs, the Lord Jesus remained his loving Lord and faithful guide. And Jesus, we all know that he reaffirmed, of course, uh, Simon as Peter, the rock, in Matthew chapter 16, promising that he would be instrumental in establishing Jesus' church. From this rock, I will build my church. Whose church? The Lord's church. Now, from this Peter's failure, I told you before, we will take a look at some lessons. And lessons in which we call them signs you are failing in your spiritual walk with the Lord. And so Peter would have never believed that he could have done what he did. All of the promises, all, all of those, you know, being confident, I will die for you. I will not abandon you. Now, he didn't really think about abandoning Christ and, and failing on his many promises to the Lord. And so Jesus tried to tell him, but he refused to believe the Lord. And lo and behold, Peter fell, and he fell fast. Yet, there he stands. This man who was the leader of the disciples, this man who swore that he would die for Jesus before he would deny him. That's in verse 31. This man who had tried to defend Jesus with his sword just as a short time before. That's in verse 47. There stands the same Peter calling down upon himself and swearing before God that he knows nothing about Jesus Christ. And our text this morning suggests he kept on cursing and swearing when he was confronted by this servant. I don't know him. I swear. You know, P Peter would never have believed that this would and could happen to him. Uh, he could never have believed that he could come to such a place in his. The question is this. Uh, we need to ask also, what happened to bring him to this place? A place of denying Christ in the midst of every promises. I will never deny you. I will never leave you. I will not run away. I will die with you. Have you made that promises when you came to know the Lord? First time you promised, Lord, thank you for saving me. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord. From now on, I will be a changed person. Oh, Lord, I, 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 I surrender everything, all my vices, all my bad characters, everything, Lord. I will leave immediately and bring it into the throne of your grace. You're not thinking about, you know, I will never go back. Same with Peter. There are some clear signs that shows us that he was headed for trouble in his spiritual life. And these signs can also reveal the presence of spiritual problems in your life and in my life. And we'll take a look at number one. It is called self-confidence. It is found in verse 27 and verse 28. 
After Jesus and his disciples finished the Passover meal earlier in the evening, Jesus told his men that they would all forsake him that very night. All of you, all of you twelve will forsake me. And one of you will betray me, by the way. So Peter spoke up and told Jesus the rest of them might live, but no. Uh, I, will, I will not abandon you. I will, I will run away. That's in verse 28. If they stumble, I will not stumble. I will stay with you no matter what. Peter believed that he had reached a place in his spiritual life where failure was an impossibility. You see, that is a dangerous place to be. Self-confidence. How's your self-confidence when it comes to your spiritual walk with the Lord? Do you think you will not fail? Never think that what happened to Peter can't happen to you. I would just remind you that the Bible warns us again and again about thinking we have reached a place where we are immune to failure. There's a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 9. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest what? He falls. You might not conceive of any circumstances where you would deny the Lord, but neither could Peter. The fact is, you are as prone to sin as anyone. You, want, you know you are one thought, one act, one, one word from being right where Peter was. This morning, let us remind ourselves that it is the grace of God alone that we haven't failed like Peter and others. Amen. Remember, when you understand the word grace, you will not act arrogant and this self-confidence when you know that you are saved by grace oh you are always humble why because when you know that salvation is by grace my dear friends and brothers in the lord this is the unmerited favor of the lord and God is so gracious. And when you know that God is so gracious, you remain humble. And that having the self to confident in life. By the way, that is why we need to be very careful about how we judge the things others do. I want you to, you know, sink that, that, that word in your, in your heart. Be careful to judge other people in the way they do things. We need to learn to extend love, grace, and also forgiveness instead of judgment. Don't judge other people if they are in the midst of sin. Just pray for them and encourage them. Don't be like, oh, you know what? I'm better than you. Like the Pharisees. You remember the Pharisees? Oh, Lord, I thank you. I'm not like this guy. 
self-confidence. Number two, defiance. Even though Peter was told very clearly by the Lord that that would happen, he rejected it. You will deny me. He rejected the word of the Lord. That's in verse 31. So even though Jesus quoted Old Testament prophecy that's found in Zechariah chapter 13 verse 7 to prove that that what he was saying was going to happen, what did Peter do? He denied it. He was defiant in that he stood in open opposition to the clear word of God. Verse 31 says that Peter spoke, spake the more vehemently. Now, again, I did check the word vehemently here. That means uh, very emotional. Showing strong and angry feelings. And this means that he got in the face of Jesus and in, in no uncertain terms told him that what Jesus was saying would never happen. And so imagine his emotion vehemently. He was very uh, emotional. And, 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 and I will you know, make you an, an illustration, Sister Maria. You are Jesus, and I am Peter. And I will say to you, it never happened. <laughs> no. <laughs> She's just laughing. <laughs> anyway, I just, you know, I, I want you to picture his emotion. Vehemently spoke. Now, If you translate this and apply this into our own Christian life, you hear the word, you know the word, this is what you are saying. I don't care what this book says, it will never happen to me. Another sign that a believer is headed for trouble is when we refuse to listen to the clear word of God. How many of you are reading your Bible every day? Only few. When you read the Bible, when you read the Word of God, and you find something that God wants you to do, obey it. Apply it into your life. You can do as you please, but the Word of God will always be right. Amen. You can do what you please, but the word of the Lord is always right. If you want to be right, line up in this book. If you want to fall into trouble, stand in defiance in the Bible. Any believer is in trouble when they refuse to obey the word of God. Number three prayerlessness and indifference found in verse 33 until verse 38 so jesus went to pray and told his disciples of course this is in the garden of gethsemane when he left them and he prayed by himself lord if it is your will then your will be done Uh, and so jesus went to pray and, and told his disciples to pray with him 
they were indifferent in the needs of the moment. And instead of praying, what happened? They fell asleep. But how many times? Three times. Three times the Lord approached What are you doing? Why are you sleeping? And he came back again. You're sleeping again? Did you do a hiking and said, oh, now you're sleeping? Are you too tired? Third time, he went back. They were still sleeping. They showed a callous indifference to the warnings of the Lord. They refused to pray and seek God, which would have served them well when the attacks of the devil and the flesh comes. How's your prayer life today? How many times you pray and consult the Lord? Everything you, when every time you have uh, a decision in life, do you consult him? In the scale of 1 to 10, how prayerful are you? Hey, pastor, I pray before I eat. I'm not talking about that. You know, it's good to thank the Lord for the food. Lord, bless this food. Amen. <laughs> That's good. What I'm, pray, what I'm talking about is do you really pray seriously? I, I, I read a story about uh, these brothers in Africa. So in Africa, of course, you know that it's not a, a developed country. And they still live in the woods. But uh, they have a prayer closet. And that prayer closet is away from there, a little bit from their house. And so when they go and pray, they will walk. And you know the idea that when you walk, on the path always, the grass doesn't grow. Uh, and so, they encourage one another. How do they encourage one another? When it comes to prayer. If the neighbor notices that the grass is growing, he will remind him, hey brother, your grass on your walkway, going to your prayer room, is tall. <laughs> that means you're not praying anymore. Now, as a whole, as a church, I know there's no grass here. It's only here. Just imagine there's a grass every Wednesday. <laughs> You know, I don't want to say it, but the Lord said, Say it! Tell it like it is. If you want the Lord to really bless us as a church, we need to really be strong in our prayer life. Amen. If, if our neighbor here sees our walkway, that the grass is really tall. What do you think our neighbor will say? 
No, Philam International Baptist Church. Your grass is so tall during Wednesday night. <laughs> Only few people are praying. I know some of you are tired. Some of you have a good, good reason not to. But I encourage you. Because the enemy loves to see Christians not praying. He hates Christian who always pray. That's why the Lord warns them. And that's why they, 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 of course, fall into sin easily. It's because they laughed immediately. It's because what the Lord said, you pray, you pray. You need strength, you need power. We all need power. Power comes from our Lord when we always commune with God. You will make uh, Sister Lynette very, very happy. <laughs> Friend, are you headed to trouble when you allow your prayer life to die? No. Oh, when you stop seeking God's face and show clear indifference to His will and His word. My prayer it's an every one of us we will not be heading into that failure because of our prayerlessness and indifference amen for impulsiveness so jesus told this man that he was going to be arrested and that it is the will of god that this happened and so when it does peter reacts impulsively and strikes out with his sword Cutting off the ear of a man named Marcos. Uh, you know what? In this particular event or scenario, Peter was operating outside the revealed will of God. Because he already told them, it is my father will, father's will that I will suffer. And now, of course, what the Lord said is starting to happen, being uh, beginning to unfold, and Peter stopping it. And so in our words, Peter was operating outside the revealed will of God. He was doing what he thought was right with no thought of what God was doing around him. And so Peter was out of sync with God and with God's plan for the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus did not need Peter to defend him. Why? He will just call his angels to defeat all these Roman soldiers. And so he was arrested, but Peter tried to stop it. You know what? We are headed for a fall when we walk impulsively. Are you impulsive? Uh, it's good for you to admit because if you don't admit it, healing will not happen. If you are an alcoholic, uh, of course, the, the first <laughs> thing that they will say to you, do you admit that you are an alcoholic? If you don't admit that you are an alcoholic, don't come here. Why? Because in the first place, you don't admit it. And so without being you know, true to it and admitting it, it will not happen. And so... Same thing with any other characteristic that is not pleasing in the sight of God. And so when we take no thought for the will of God, we are headed for trouble. 
when we take no thought of what God is doing around us, around your life, in your personal walk, in your family life, you are headed for trouble. So when we walk like we want to, we are headed for trouble. When we do things we want to do, we are out of sync with God's plan, we are headed for trouble. And so we are not walking with him when we are not walking with God. We are heading or headed to trouble. We need to be deliberately and prayerful as we walk through this life. You know what impulsiveness is saying? Impulsiveness says, I can do this on my own. I don't need your help, Lord. Prayerfulness means, Lord, I need your help to find your way through this life. I hope we will follow the latter. Amen. Always being aware of the will of God. And when you know the will of God, you, you, you do it. Number five, following afar off. And so we must give Peter credit. Why? Because his love for Jesus refused to allow him to stay away. But the problem is, he was not that close. He was afar off. In other translations, they use the word distance. He followed the Lord, but we are told that he followed the far off, verse 54. And so the physical distance between Peter and James, uh, between Peter and Jesus was a picture of a moral distance that was opening up between them. Why? Because you will notice when Peter was near Jesus, he was filled with confidence and faith. But when he was separated from Jesus, he was filled with what? Fear and doubt. I want you to get a lesson in this. Why? It's because you are, if you are not close, or if your relationship is not closer to Jesus, the reason why you experience doubt and fear, it's because you are a little bit away from the Lord. Go near Him. And remember the passage that He said, Without me, you can do nothing. I am the vine, you are the branches. You will not be fruitful in your life if you are always away from the vine. This is exactly what he experienced, Peter's experience. There's fear, there's doubt. Check it, my dear friends and brothers in the Lord. Are you worried today? Is there fear in your heart? Is there doubt in your heart? Probably you go back and say to the Lord, Lord, I want to be near you. You remember what Jesus said? Come unto me, all you who labor and are. Oh yes, he will give you rest. Are you laboring because of your own strength doing it? Give it to the Lord. Lay it down. When we walk afar off, we do not serve him. I want to repeat that one. When we walk afar off, we do not serve him, love him, and obey him as we should. When our love for him and our desire to be close to him fades, we are headed to fall. I hope not in this room are many not following the Lord. 
afar off. As your pastor, whether you are a guest, a member in this church, my prayer and heart's desire for you is to walk closer with the Lord. Amen. Because when you walk closer to the Lord, the more blessing the Lord will give to your life. Amen. Number five, bad company. While Jesus was being tried, spit upon, and beaten, the chief of his disciples was warning himself at the enemy's fire. Imagine him, he joined them. And, and Peter's downfall was accelerated because he found himself in the company of people who do not love the Lord. Now, I want you to let this sink in your heart. Peter joined those people who don't love the Lord, those people who wanted him to die. He sat with them. And they, you know, they, they noticed, hey, you are one with them because we know you are Galilean. And what is their proof? You have an accent. It's just like, hey, we know that you're Filipino. Why? Why? <laughs> Not only your nose is flat, but, <laughs> but, but you have an accent. <laughs> you have an accent. Good morning. How are you? Uh, and so, you are with them. And that's where Peter started cursing. No, definitely not. Uh, listen. When we surround ourselves with people who do not honor the Lord, we are headed for trouble. When we find yourself spending more time with lost people than you do with the Lord's people, you're headed for a fall. Someone has said this. The company you keep reveals where your heart is. The company you keep reveals where your heart is. I'm proud of our youth today. Because uh, I, I can see them, you know, they're just like beasts. They are all together. And I, when, when, when Jewel and JP were growing, I'm not worried because they're always with them. And I know that they will not do things that, you know, that are not really pleasant. Why? It's because when you join a company who loves the Lord, it's a good fellowship. Amen. Don't say I am befriending these people because I, I want them to become a Christian, so I join them more. Huh. It's like you're saying with, with Peter, this will never happen to me. I think the, the, the possibility of you bringing them is slim. 
Many times it's you who's doing what they're doing. Why? Because of the influence. The company you keep reveals where your heart is. Wrong company will result in wrong living, wrong loving, and brutal falls. That's why uh, the Bible says, that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be what? Destroyed. It's true. That's, that's why it's, I encourage you to join Friday Bible studies, Wednesday prayer meetings, Saturday Bible studies. It's because the, all of your week you are, you are with, with your co-workers who really don't, don't know and love the Lord. Why not sometimes, you know, I will not say sometimes, every week. You, you fellowship with brothers and sisters in the Lord. Amen. It's because we, we get strength from the fellowship of our brothers and sisters in the Lord. I challenge every believer in this room to examine your life in light of Peter's experience. He failed because he allowed these things to live in his life. Number three and last is found in verse 72. It's called Peter's repentance. Look at verse 72. A second time the rooster crowed. Then Peter called to mind the word that Jesus had said to him. Now, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me how many times? Three times. And, and, and I want us to focus on here. And he thought about it. And then he wept. Huh? Did you know that repentance is both intellectual and emotional? You see, Peter has a lifetime of mastering any situation with an impulsive show of emotion. And so a vehement pledge, a, stup a stuporous slip, and then a violent act and a cursing oath, these are the characteristics of Peter. Like the prodigal son in the pig pen, he needs a cold, hard fox to, you know, to bring him into his senses. You remember the prodigal son? He was sitting down, uh, feeding all those swine or pigs. Then suddenly, he was reminded that he has a dad who loves him so much. And the scripture said, when he came into his senses, he thought about it. I will go back to my dad because my dad has, you know, has all these servants. I just want to become one of his servants. But he was a real son. And then the dad did not allow that one. And so at this particular moment, I'm imagining Peter. Peter was not on his mind. And someone poured a cold water on his head. And <laughs> I was reminded of Kuya Carlito yesterday because we were, you know, and it's so hot. <laughs> and then he asked Brother uh, Angelo, pour water on me, pour water on me. <laughs> And after that, whoo! I'm imagining Peter when he, when 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 he heard, you know, this 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 this, this rooster, meh, I know, <laughs> he 
He was reminded of what the Lord said. And so he thought about it. And then he wept. Isn't it? This is the very experience that you and I have experienced. When you realize, Lord, I am a sinner in your sight. And you are even emotional and you cried. Perhaps for the first time, he reasons, okay? He reasons rather than reacts. He was not impulsive anymore. He reasons. He sees his arrogance. Hey, Lord, I became arrogant. I just realized this today. I'm a coward. I'm a real chicken. Because I, I ran away. And of course, he sinned against the perspective of truth, which of course he had never before he faced. He realized it. Guilt and shame burst through the charade of his toughness and weeps not with hysteria, of course, and of not another impulsive action, but with a remorseful tears in his eyes that he never faced before. He became brokenhearted. When you become brokenhearted, the Lord will listen to you. You get this? If you're being broken right now and you know that the Lord is breaking you, you better listen. Why? Because without the Lord breaking you, we will not repent. Breaking is good. If the Lord is breaking your life today, he wants you to make a better saints of his. Amen. You see, he was brokenhearted and he realized he needs to repent. So put these two words together. They will lead to what we call repentance. Repentance is both intellectual and emotional. I want to share this story and we will close. Uh, there is this uh, commissioner uh, and this commissioner went uh, to the governor of the state and asked him if he will pardon five five uh, men from the prison uh, at the end of six months. And so he said, yes, I will. And so after six months, he came back with a list of five people. Uh, and these five people will be pardoned because of their good uh, standing inside the prison. And so that time came and he called all the prisoners, totaling 1,100 of them. And the president of the commission uh, came up and said, I hold in my hand pardons for five men. I never witnessed anything like it, he said. And so every man held his breath. Just imagine you are one of them. Okay, You were in prison for how many years? And then you were standing in front of the uh, commissioner. And I have this list, five. Five of you will be pardoned today. Are you not excited? I will be. And so, uh, this pardoning started. He started to call the name Reuben Johnson. Reuben Johnson! They were all quiet. And no one is stepping forward. 
he called the name again. Reuben Johnson, come forward and get your pardon. You are no longer a criminal. Still, no one moved. But the real Johnson was looking at the time behind the commissioner. And around him, of course, to see where Reuben was. Reuben Johnson, and the Reuben Johnson was doing like this. But the champ, chaplain noticed him. Hey, Reuben, that's you. He's still, you know, looking for another Reuben. And so he encouraged him to get that certificate. And the last chaplain said to him, you are the Reuben. And so Reuben had been in prison for 19 years. He was there. For 19 years. You know what? He could not conceive and believe that he is being pardoned. At last, it began to dawn upon him, and he took the pardon from the commissioner's hands and saw his name attached to it, and he wept like a child. I was reminded of Peter. He wept like a child. When he know, he realized that he betrayed and sinned against his master. But when he wept, it is a true repentance. He was pardoned. Oh, my dear brothers in the Lord, we're doing a communion today. And when you do communion today, I want you to remind yourself that you are pardoned by the Lord. Amen. If you are still doubting the love, grace, mercy of God today, I encourage you, don't doubt it. Because he will pardon you no matter what you have done. Amen. The God that we worship, the God that we serve here at Philam International Baptist Church is a loving God, a gracious God. He overlooks sins when you confess and repent of them. Oh, Peter became a spokesperson. And he was used by the Lord. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the life of Peter. Reminding us, indeed, Lord, it's easy for us to fall. But also, Lord, there is good news. There is hope. And there is an encouragement. And so, Father, this morning, we will join in this table. And my prayer, Father, is as we join in this table, we will indeed, Lord, excitedly and joyfully remind ourselves that we are pardoned. And so, Father, I pray that you glorify your name as we do the communion this morning. Father, bless every individual in this auditorium. If there are people who struggle with doubt, their relationship with you is afar off, oh Lord, help them. Give them the ability through your power to get closer to you. Thank you, Lord, for everything. Bless our communion today. For this is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.